evening, Patriots. And it's Monday, at the end of Monday, the 24th of April in the year 2024. I cannot believe how quickly this month has gone by. Pretty amazing, in fact. But here we are, almost at the end of the month. And I got word today as well, my bees arrive next Thursday. Three new hives. And I've not done bees before, so this is going to be another big adventure. And we'll have to see where that one goes, too. So we got cattle started a year ago, bees started this year. I don't know, all sorts of skills. It's all good. It's part of building the new world, the new economy. You know, there's, I, I, he knows who he is. I'm just going to say it this way. But I'm, I'm going to publicly say that this person who's a, in Bars Nation, who's an awesome, awesome individual, is responsible for getting me my first cowboy hat. And it looks pretty good. I mean, like, it was a nice hat. So a public thank you to the person who knows who they are. And uh, big thanks. And I'm telling you that is, uh, yeah, I'll have to show you. I'll, I'll, I'll bring into Bard's Fest. You'll see a picture of me in my cowboy hat. It's nice. I learned all about cowboy hats. I didn't know anything about them before that started. Patriots, one thing we have to be clear on is really keeping our health up. And it's harder and harder these days with the lunacy and insanity that goes around us. That goes between sleep and exercise and diet and keeping your nutrition levels up and keep your immune system up. Fieldofgreens.com. Fieldofgreens.com is one of those supplements that I, I it was truly a blessing to, to be introduced to the company because it's on a whole food supplement that is all organically grown. Their headquarters is in Texas. It's a fantastic product. It's one scoop a day. And you know when you do that, you're literally getting whole foods. You don't need a science dictionary to read the label. It's all whole foods that have been organically grown, freeze-dried, and then milled down to create a beautiful powder. And each one of those foods was selected for a specific organ or function in your immune system in your body. And so if you head on over to fieldofgreens.com, fieldofgreens.com, and you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, and you'll get 15% off when you do that. And these are great products. I use this every morning. As I've always told you, I don't advertise anything unless I've tried it. I have. I absolutely love it. Of all the supplements and things I've taken over this last year, over the last couple of years, this has really settled me into having a great baseline, which is what I've wanted. And there's still other great products that are out there. Don't get me wrong. This is just for a daily foundational product. It's the best, in my opinion. So fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARTS. And then if you sign up for a monthly subscription, which you can cancel or suspend at any time, you'll get an additional 10% off. So that's 15% off with your BARTS code. Sign up for a subscription. You get another 10% off. And it's worth it. So I've tried three of the flavors. They have a just a no... I mean, like just a plain, and then they've got a couple like with different flavors in them to sweeten them up a bit. They're all good, every one of them. Easy to mix in water, and it goes, it tastes great. So I just check it out. I think you'll be very impressed with it. Very good product overall. Really happy with it, and very happy they're part of the show. So again, fieldofgreens.com, promo code BARDS. So there you go. All right. I want to play something here at the beginning. This is just savage, but it's savage in such a good way. Um, 
one of our people in the chat gave this to me last hour, and I, I thought I had not heard it. I have heard it before. I love this response. This is a Florida Republican Re- Representative Webster Barnaby, and he literally goes full scorched earth on a trans activist, which he refers to as X-Men mutants. And I, I really respect the man so much for just bringing the fire. So let's take a listen to this to start. I'm, I'm looking at society today, and it's like I'm watching an X-Men movie. Uh, with people that, when you watch the X-Men movies or Marvel comics, it's like we have mutants living among us on planet Earth. And, you know, some people don't like that, but that's a fact. We have people that live among us today on planet Earth that are happy to display themselves as if they were mutants from another planet. This is the planet Earth, where God created men, male, and women, female. I'm a proud Christian conservative Republican. I'm not on the fence. Not on the fence. There is so much darkness in our world today. So much evil in our world today. And so many people who are afraid to address the evil, the dysphoria, the dysfunction. I'm not afraid to address the dysphoria or the dysfunction. The Lord rebuke you, Satan, and all of your demons and all of your imps who come and parade before us. That's right. I called you demons and imps who come and parade before us and pretend that you are part of this world. So I'm, I'm saying my righteous indignation is stirred. I am sick and tired of this. We, I'm not going to put up with it. You can test me and try to take me on, but I promise you I'll win every time. Let's all vote up on this bill. Thank you. That is the type of absolute ruthless courage that's needed at this point in time. And we, it just, I love it so much because there's no compromise and he's right in line with scripture. And boy, does he bring it. I'm going to be left with, you're going to see these little transgenders squirming out of there like, oh, I'm scarred forever. And be like, yeah, you probably are. It really brings to mind a speech that it is literally my favorite speech that Theodore Roosevelt did. Now, you know, it's funny in this time, and I'm not really sure why, but we don't talk a lot about Theodore Roosevelt. And we should, because interestingly, when you do a demographic look of what where the economy was, where the people were financially, and I don't mean dollar for dollar, though it probably does translate because the dollar is worth nothing now. And it used to, at that point, it was still to peg to gold. But when you start to look at the breakdown, both in terms of like in all the things of population demographics, immigrants, unemployed, educated, um, working class, income levels, uh, all sorts of things. It's an amazing parallel between the Roosevelt era and the era when Trump came to office, which is 2016. 
And Theodore Roosevelt was a absolute passionate man in the presidency. He was also an open Christian. And the other thing I loved about him is he was a true warrior. We really haven't had many true warriors in office, and we need them. He was a part of the Rough Riders, and he was also responsible for setting up the national parks like Yosemite. He was a horseback rider, very accomplished, and he was just a man of the earth. So one of his favorite speeches that he gave was called Citizen in a Republic, and it was given on April 23, 1910, and Sorbonne, or Sorbonne at the Sorbonne in Paris, France interesting place to give the speech. But in this passage, which is referred to as the man in the arena, it's just something that resonates with me all the time that I go back to as a reminder of who we are. And he writes, or he wrote and spoke, it is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls, who neither know victory nor defeat. Shame on the man of cultivated taste, who lets refinement to develop, develop into a fastidiousness that unfits him for doing the rough work of a work day world. I, I, there is such intensity in what he writes, and he was a great scholar, a heavy reader of the Bible. Again, we just don't have many statesmen like him, and we don't talk much about him as a country. We, you hear one passage, walk softly, carry a big stick. That's about the only thing people know, and some people don't even often know it came from him. But a significant point in looking at our presidents, he was the, one of our presidents. He was the 26th president of the United States. He was the 25th vice president of the United States, and he was the 33rd governor of New York. He, in his early life, I guess said he was part of the Rough Riders, which was the Battle of Sam Hill, Sam Juan Hill. And that was a big one. They they tried to assassinate him after when he when he left office, he started a third party. Now, this is the thing to look at is that he tried to break and start a third party. And so they tried to kill him. And a guy shot him close at close range when he was on his pulpit. Speaking, they used to do the the elections. They would go on by train across the country, and they would often give their speeches off the back of the train. But in this particular day, he was doing a rally, and a man came up and shot him at close range. As I recall, I could be wrong on the caliber, but I believe it was like a forty-five caliber lead bullet, and it hit his 
flask when it hit his he shot him towards the heart and he had his flask under his jacket and it hit his flask and he was wearing white sleeves with the cufflinks and he began to he did penetrate and he began to bleed down through his sleeve and he was dripping blood through the white starch white cufflinks so it would have been rather dramatic to see but when they tried to take him away he said no he says, I, it's going to take a lot more than that to kill me and to put me down. And so he finished his speech. That's the sort of manliness and strength that we had in this nation that built this nation. And unfortunately, what we've experienced over the last years of 60 plus years is a mechanism of punitive nature that keeps everybody always at odds. When they went on this national campaign, and, and hear me out on this because I don't know that I don't condone drunk driving, but every time they came up with a rule, and I'm just going to use drunk driving as, a, as an example here, when they went on a national campaign towards zero tolerance for any alcohol, it was a very quick everybody shirking back. Nobody stood up to look for a reasonable midway. And I say that because if you know a lot of these rules that are in states these days, I mean, they, they are brutal. I knew a couple that was down at the casino south of Roseburg. And one had had one drink, and, so, and the husband had had a number of other drinks, so he chose to have the wife drive. And they pulled that car over and... They suspended both of their licenses, took away their right to get a car. For, I mean, it just it was ridiculous. And first-time offense. And I'm just not going there. I mean, our, our whole system is geared towards punitive nature. Everything that goes on, unless you're a criminal these days. If you're a pedophile, if you're a murderer, if you're a rapist, you can... If you're a drug dealer, you're going to get a pretty easy sentence. But if you're a normal person that's trying to live a life and you slip up, they're going to try to crush you. And that's the system that we've become. It's, it's tyranny, and it's not new. We, people think it's new because they're starting to see it, and they've seen it in the January 6th trials in their face. But speaking firsthand on this matter, it's not new. It's the way the system works. It's been here for a lot of years, but we just haven't brought it to surface. So... We are in a place in a nation where we have to start looking at how we're going to reclaim what we do. And so much of that roots in our willingness to get in the arena. If I can, if I look at the stories of Jesus, and when I read the passage from Citizen in a Republic that, we, that I just read, which is called The Man in the Arena, that's really a lot of what Jesus is and what he tries to teach his, his disciples. And I think that that's something that if we each take it to heart, we start to transform the way we live and really understand more and more what sovereignty is like. Of all the places that I could say where I felt true freedom, truly living like a sovereign individual, and you, you might find this surprising, but it was Afghanistan. I had free reign, and obviously. I had some special privileges when I was there, but I had free reign to go wherever I wanted to go. 
And that puts a different burden and onus on you when you do that. You know, and I was mentioning this some last night, that when you go places the way I was in the status that I was in, unlike other guys that I worked with, there wasn't a heavy package waiting to come get me. What that translates to is there wasn't like a quick reaction force on standby with you know, Black Hawk helicopters and fast roping. There wasn't a, a KC-130 or AC-130 gunship sitting ready on standby to give me top cover. There were no drones that were covering me. My actions were all pretty much on my own and went with my interpreter. And, and when you're working in really any world, but in particular that world where there, you can say there's a measure of lawlessness because there's really no police you can trust. You really experience a true sense of responsibility and accountability of living free. And the amazing thing is, is how many places I went in Afghanistan like that and never had any problems. And that's taking time to understand where you're going, understanding the people you're going to meet, the type of relationships you have to build, etc. But violence doesn't become the first course. You have to build a relationship first. And it's by with through. It's by with and through the people. So much of what we see in our field manual of war, a.k.a. the Bible, is that sort of message that's there all the time. We start to see how God works in steady ways, not erratic ways. Just take a look at the Exodus. And I think we've said it's about over 40 years, roughly. And it's a persistent push as the plagues evolve over time. And part of that is to challenge and get the Pharaoh to give up his authority and dominion over the Israelites. But there's always a subtext in that of waking up the Israelites to their responsibility and accountability of what they have. And I've mentioned this before many times, in fact, but it always strikes me how at that moment of the 10th plague, when the firstborn has died and they've been told to take the gold and silver from the home, there's a hesitation because it's not them that tells them to, they don't decide to pick up and go. It's the masters, the slave masters that tell them to leave or they will, or they will all die and perish. Not the slaves, but they, the, the land, the uh, slave owners. So there's an amazing awakening and it's an interesting snapshot when you look at that moment to where we are today. We're in a version of an exodus. I don't know. It's not necessarily a physical migration, though we do see physical migrations around the world and around the country. But we are definitely in a mental migration. It's part of the Psy War. We're, we're coming out of this looking at where we want to be. And in doing so, we're starting to clarify our path. And instead of being a material path, we're choosing a spiritual path in our life. And that path is taking us places. And we see it, we feel it, but sometimes it doesn't mean we've moved at all from our physical location. But it's changing everything. We had dinner tonight and we were talking about just a, a perspective on where the world was in 2018 
and 2019 and where the world is today. And using that time frame, because that's only five years. And it's literally like we just went into a different a different timeline. I don't even know how to say it. I mean, we went from masks and COVID con to the moment that Trump lost, or I should say had the election stolen, we launch into January 6th and the insanity of hell that follows after that. And literally, like out of nowhere, the demons of transgenderism crawled out of every crack under from every rock in every nook and cranny. I mean, it's just like they came out of nowhere. And out of no, nowhere, they, they erupt in our schools, the clinics over this over the last couple of years, the gender reassignment surgery clinics have gone up. I, I think I read the other day, 15,000% or something. That's the number of surgeries. All of this has happened within about three years. And it's literally like walking in a different timeline. We can try to give ourselves explanation for it, but we really can't. There's no explanation to how this happens suddenly across the globe because it's not just here. It's all over. And it is a full court press, and it's it's just like you had hordes and hordes of demons sitting behind a wall or in a cave, and the minute that the green light was given, they came flooding out, which is probably more true to point than anything. And if there's ever been a country that needs to have an active deliverance teams moving around and doing spiritual warfare, it's now. So it's, again, it's getting back to the man in the arena or woman if you are sensitive to gender. As long as you understand on this channel, there's only two genders and never more. We've seen some real heroics from women the last few years. And they have led the, much of the fight as men have struggled to reclaim their footing. There was a decisive and directed war against men in 2007, 8, 9, and forward as they obliterated wealth and upended the job market, took jobs and pushed them over to China and left men broken. And of course, then we had the help of the pharmaceutical industry, which started pumping oxycodone into the in many of these places. And we ended up with that and alcoholism and a whole variety of other things that have devastated a large swath of the male culture. As we've moved forward and we've started to see the rise of some measures of pushback. We have dealt as well with a different type of war that even guys that I worked with could not comprehend. And I, I'm. It's, this is not me tooting my horn, but I could see where this was going. I've seen it since, and I briefed it in 2013 in Fort Meade. Because you could see the trends. You could see what was beginning to happen. You could... And if you understood advertising, you understood that the psychological profile, the psy war was already in play. We just hadn't dialed it up enough. But this war is, a, is an insidious war. Physical wounds heal. Psychological wounds can last for life, and they may never heal for some. And we're at a very critical point right now where we're having to make some hard decisions, at least come to some hard realizations of what this war means.
for some, my view on the harshness in which it will take is not popular. And yet, we are looking at approximately 1% of this population that is driving the 99% and fracturing it. It's pushing off a large percentage of it off the cliff, and a whole bunch of it is doing self-mutilation and doing things that we would never imagine people doing to themselves, but it's driven by a 1%. And that's just not... It's not sustainable. Something has to give. And we can default and say that, you know, we're going to, Christ is coming and it's all going to be here. And as I always say, there's no question that's going to happen. But what that timeline is, timeline is, I don't know. And what I do know is I'm not going to be the one sitting before God and he says, What did you do? And I said, and I say, just waited for Jesus to return. I mean, that's not going to set well in my reading of the scriptures when we consider the responsibility of protecting children and elderly in particular. So it puts us all in an interesting place of trying to navigate a place that quite clearly is not well-defined in Scripture. There's examples of warfare. We've seen, we know that we have had brutal warfare between David and Goliath, and it's an easy rationalization to do because we can say, well, Goliath was a Nephilim and he just, he wasn't human. We can make the same argument for Joshua when he takes down Jericho. We can say, well, they were all Nephilim. So there's no, we have no moral conflict with where that is. And it's a fairly easy argument to sustain even with the Exodus and when Moses was on the hilltop directing the armies. We can continue with this Nephilim narrative and justify battle and warfare and brutality because supposedly they're not human. But these are things that we have to start confronting and, and asking ourselves simple questions like, what does a Nephilim look like? Are they all big or can they look like us? What does a demon-possessed person look like? Are they salvageable or not? And these are big questions, especially when there's a time and criticality of where we're dealing with right now, because humanity's getting waylaid. We're in a crazy time where they have mutilated, they've gotten children and youth and adults to go along with the mutilation of our future. I don't know the numbers. I just know that there's a lot of it happening and we're ending up with young children that'll never be able to bear bear kids, whether it's boy or girl. They've been they have been physically mutilated to where that will never happen. We know that as a consequence of the vax, we have many people of the younger age, and they're sterilized. That's a byproduct for many of the vax. I've heard numbers as high as 60% of the youth that took the vax will never have, be able to have children. And according to some studies that Dr. Merritt is doing, if they've used the CRISPR-Cas9 technology in any of this, then it has an ability to pass on indefinitely over generational passages through genetics. So there's been significant damage to the Western white race 
in particular the Western Christian race. So that leaves us again in this strange conundrum, and which is what do we do? And it comes down to a couple of things, and we have to we're going to be faced with some real moral and ethical questions as we go forward. They've been increasing the migration from southern border, and their idea is to literally change the entire nature of humanity by getting rid of racial difference and make one blended race so that they're all crossbreeding. That's the goal. And if that excites you or doesn't excite you, I, I, it makes no difference to me in this other than the sense I have a position on it and I'll give it to you. It's part of their overall depopulation and genocide of the uniqueness of God's creation. They're, but in order for us as a nation, in any capacity, to function, even if you talk about communities, there is an increasing level of loss from this injection that is much greater than they're letting us know. Whether it's by damage, meaning disability by the vax, or by death, it's been happening. And then we add to that an aged population that is by nature just dying off. And thanks to the injection and the bioweapon, our average age expectancy has dropped now to like 73. You can start to see the big problem we have. What's going to happen to us? And when we start to hit a negative birth rate, which we're already there, a society goes into rapid decline and it fails. So you can literally win the battle and lose the war. So it shouldn't come as any surprise to people right now that there's a big push for these womb birthing systems. And it's literally quite insane. These are the systems that allow you to have artificial wombs to raise children in, grow children in. And in a comment today, which I found rather stunning, in fact, Essentially, what it said was, and I'm going to go to it right now, so just give me a second, um, that there's a reference to the fact that in 2100, we're going to look back on this period and say things like, can you imagine a time when people actually carried children themselves? Listen to this short piece here. It's about two minutes. And... You've probably heard this before, but I'm just going to play this piece. So take a listen. Introducing Ectolife, the world's first artificial womb facility powered entirely by renewable energy. Ectolife allows infertile couple to conceive a baby and become the true biological parents of their own offspring. It's a perfect solution for women who had their uterus surgically removed due to cancer or other complications. With Ectolife, premature births and C-sections will be a thing of the past. Ectolife is designed to help countries that are suffering from severe population decline, including Japan, Bulgaria, South Korea, and many others. The facility features 75 highly equipped labs, each state-of-the-art lab can accommodate up to 400 growth pods or artificial wombs. Every pod is designed to replicate the exact conditions that exist inside the mother's uterus. 
A single building can incubate up to 30,000 lab-grown babies per year. Ectolife allows your baby to develop in an infection-free environment. The pods are made of materials that prevent germs from sticking to their surfaces. Every growth pod features sensors that can monitor your baby's vital signs, including heartbeat, temperature, blood pressure, breathing rate, and oxygen saturation. The artificial intelligence-based system also monitors the physical features of your baby and reports any potential genetic abnormalities. are equipped with a screen that displays real-time data on the developmental progress of your baby. These data are sent directly to your phone so you can track your baby's health from the comfort of your zone. The app also provides you with a high-resolution live view of your baby's development. A special section in the app allows you to watch a time-lapse of your baby's growth. Yeah, exciting, isn't it? This is all part of this dystopian hell they're trying to create here on earth. And everything is a mockery of God. So I go back to this man in the ring and the representative we heard earlier. We need to be hearing the mighty positions that we stand with Christ and we stand with God. This is literally us now being, all of us being called to be the captain of the Lord of Hosts army. This nonsense is continuing and for all we know, we're going to see a form of bifurcation where this is going to occur in cities where people want to live in these crazy Internet of Things 15-minute nightmares, which is little more than just mini-matrixes. And maybe we get to live and roam the earth on the outside, having to find our way through without technologies of magnetic levitation and electric power. And you know what? I'm all good with that. Because the one thing I know is as we walk with God, and I'm, I, matter of fact, I said this at dinner tonight, if I took, was able to take a big chunk of everyone that follows in Barter's Nation and I put them in my county, and there's reasons I say that, just some unique aspects to this county. There's a river that we have that runs from source to ocean. We have our own seaport. We have lots of resources here in the county plenty of water, etc. But if you put a group of people like Bars Nation in this county, my estimate is that within a maximum of three years, all the human needs would be met. There would be a social order that would reflect very deeply what life under kingdom would be like. We would have an ability to overcome challenges unlike any other group. And we would do it in such a way that would be so wholesome and so complete that it would be a marvel for the rest of the world to witness. Because there's a commitment that we all have in our heart that's greater than the commitment and worship of technology, which is what these people are doing. Remember, these people worship technology like a god. And we don't play that, obviously, because we're the children of the Most High. So... I just point these things out because there's a lot of reflection points that we need to have right now. And to understand that this enemy, at one point or another, becomes like a Goliath. And when that moment comes, 
You've got to be the man in the ring. And you can't hesitate. You have to be committed and walking with God. And the thing that I keep saying is we get very wrapped around right now, and I'm going back to this, this idea of Nephilim, and we can justify those things. But there is no justification for the mutilation of children. I don't care who's doing it. There is no justification for the kill-off, intentional kill-off of a population, whether it's elderly or, or millennial class. There's no justification for that. And there's no room for those that are doing that to coexist. I know that some will find that very counter to Scripture. They'll say, well, we have to forgive and forget. I, I'll put it like this. If you're willing to have the pedophile to your table, go for it. And put your kids there too. Good luck on that. But there's a, there is a dissociation of evil that these people have. That These people are, are truly walking with evil. And there comes a point in time that we have to start making hard decisions with regards to preserving our walk for the many others that are trying to find their way to Jesus or putting the one that is so deeply damaged ahead of the many. But we can see what their intention is. We know where they're trying to take us. And it's going to take some very bold and powerful voices to continue now, and we need more of them than ever to speak bold truths into the world and to stand strong against these sorts of heinous mockeries of God. We are in the war like never before. It's so much easier when bullets and rockets and bombs drop. It's so much easier to comprehend war when you find the bodies on the ground. It's so much more difficult to visualize war when people are d dropping dead because of myocarditis and brain tumors, cancers. And it's not sudden, but it's over time. And it's a diagnosis that disconnects from the origin. And the media is telling you to worry about giving up your rights for somebody that wants to castrate themselves or mutilate themselves surgically. But make no mistake, this war is more visceral and more real than most wars because it's everywhere. And it's in such a way that it includes even those that are unconscious. In fact, they're often the most dangerous because they have no idea what they're doing. And they'll turn on you on a dime to protect the matrix that you're trying to tear down. So... It demands an operator's mindset. It demands an understanding of tactical proficiencies in information warfare. It demands an understanding of being able to operate behind enemy lines. It demands an understanding of being able to operate with very little to little resupply or support. And all of those things in the human world sound very sophisticated, advanced skills. But here's the good news. There's a field manual. It's called the Bible. 
And that field manual is everything we need to do what I just said. It's all the tools for the information warfare to defeat the enemy. It's all the tools to operate behind enemy lines. And it's all the tools we need to survive with little. Because what we know is we have faith and that God will provide for all we need. So no matter what this world looks like, we have the upper hand and we have the advantage. And no matter how decisive and bad it looks, we always come out on top. For one thing, we've already, and we talk about this in many forms, but it's important to grasp this. Our victory has already been given to us through the sacrifice of Christ, but our mission is not complete. And so when I often hear people say, like, well, God wins, well, yeah, no, I, I get that. But the question is, have you completed your mission? And that's the most important part of this. Each one of us has a task and purpose and a mission to complete. So yes, to give your heart some solace and not to have to heavy breathe in a brown paper bag because of anxiety, you can tell yourself God wins. But our commander-in-chief has a mission for each one of us that has to be completed. And it's not the same for each person. It's not going to look the same for each person, and he's not necessarily going to give the directives the same for each person. But it truly is mission forward. I feel good about where we're going, but I know it's not going to be easy. But I guess for me, when I look at where we are, and I've always thought in terms of narrow path, wide gate, the narrow path's always been my target. It's just the way I've always walked. If I could choose a more difficult path, I would choose it to challenge myself. That's what we're looking at now. That's being an overcomer. To take that most difficult path and prove to yourself that you can do it. You may not have wanted to take the most difficult path, but as Christ told us, we're going to be persecuted. And that should make everybody feel good because knowing that, we were already told the truth. And we've already have life. So what do you got to lose? This is the greatest time ever to be in the fight. And there's nothing that should stop any of us from being that thorn in the side of the enemy and ultimately being part of the process of slaying them and doing as David did and cutting off his head. Because that's when this victory starts to really take shape and form in our lifetimes. And the enemy knows it. They know what we're capable of deep inside. They know what the children of the Most High can do. They know that the children of the Most High are mightier than anything that they would face. But they also mock and snicker because they understand very clearly that with the children of the Most High, they've persuaded them to believe that they are slaves. We need to break free from the chains, and we need to start standing as one, unified in the body of Christ, ferocious like the lion and deadly like the eagle.
Let's pray. Father, we're very blessed to be here tonight, and we thank you for all that you give and all that you continue to share and light lead us to. These are, for much of what we're walking now, there's much uncharted territory that leaves us with a lot of questions, especially as we've seen over the years a weakened pulpit that doesn't speak of the martial side of our faith. But more than ever now, Father, you know as anyone, we need warriors, strong in their hearts, strong and courageous. And those warriors come from some of the most unexpected places. People that may never have imagined them being in war can be tremendous and powerful in the battlefield. Simply by how they were formed and how you lead their heart. So tonight, Father, we just pray for the remnant and for whoever else is listening to inspire their heart with the courage of David. to be fearless in front of this enemy and to speak boldly with you and through you, to understand that there's lines absolutely the enemy cannot cross and they need to understand that. And as they encourage and press into those spaces to hold that line and then to take back the territory which they tried to steal. So Father, we also pray for the realization of warfare in people's hearts. This is not a passive time. This is not a a time to intellectualize what we're dealing with on the battlefield, but rather to start focusing on the tactics and the purpose of why we are here. This is a time to sharpen that blade. This is a time to hone those skills. So, Father, we pray for that, the intensity the righteous fire, the focus, the clarity that's needed to understand the task and purpose that sits before us. And so as each reaches to you for those answers, we pray that those wisdoms and answers will be provided. And that the mission that you have for each of us becomes more clear. So Father, thank you. It's a blessing to be in this time. It's a blessing to see ourselves grow and mature within the body of Christ. It's a blessing to experience the walk of literally becoming greater as the sons and daughters of the Most High. We are truly blessed. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Patriots, a lot ahead to think about. And it's going to always begin from a center point of our faith. And we have to continue to focus that way, but with, in my opinion, with the warrior heart. This enemy is on the move. Everywhere it can lurk and slide in and work in the shadows to destroy somebody's life, it's going to do that. And that's where it has to be stopped and crushed and sent on a one-way ticket to the lake of fire. 
Keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tomorrow for Bended Knee. Until then or until the next time, God bless. Good night. Thank you. And out for now. Oh, I want to feel something. I just want to breathe again. Dive into the deepest end. Oh, I want to feel something. Let me get back in.